This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, the virtual private network which allows fans to watch football games, films and TV shows that aren't available in your region. It even saves on travel costs, so if you're planning on travelling with the family or to watch the Amazon Europe, NordVPN allows you to purchase flights and hotels from different locations across the world and that will save you a few quid. Maybe you're a bit of a shady character, and whatever you're up to, you want to give yourself the best possible chance of not getting caught. Whatever the scenario, NordVPN provide high-level protection for your data and personal information wherever you are in the world, and boast the fastest virtual private network in the world, so no buffering and no lagging. So for less than a pint or a cup of coffee per month, you fans can watch all the games you want live from the comfort of your own sofa. Visit nordvpn.com forward slash West Way to get your exclusive discount plus four months free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com forward slash West Way. You're listening to the West Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself Dave Walker and XWHU employee. Oh, the relief. What a night at the London Stadium where we pretty much secure Premier League football next season after a superb win against Man United. We talk about that fantastic performance, another shocking refereeing decision and the small matter of a European Cup semi-final before we finger some patrons, get the latest news from X and answer questions from patrons of the West Hamway. What a relief. That was a massive, massive, massive win, wasn't it? Oh, massive, mate, definitely. Because, you know, especially with hindsight of Everton and um, Nottingham Forest winning their games, that, that you know, that we would have looked very, very dodgy had we not picked those three points up. And uh, we thoroughly deserved it. I thought we played really, really, really well. It was a real pleasure to be in the stadium for that game. I think every single player... Put in a performance and yeah, happy days. It was it was probably the most enjoyable game I've, I've been to this season. I think. 
Well, it was one of them, and we don't get them very often, where it was a real toss of a coin to see who would get man of the match, really, because there were so yeah. many contenders. And, you know, let's talk about the performance, because for me, whilst as a group we were well-organised, well-disciplined, spirited, hungry, I think it was a game of outstanding individuals, really, stepping up to the plate. And there really were some great performances, weren't there? Yeah. Who do you think stood out? Because I know it's difficult, because it, collectively it was a good performance, but who were the front-runners for that man of the match award, do you think? I think, obviously, Declan got it, and he won the paint one as well and I think that would be fair to say I thought he was absolutely outstanding completely all this talk about Casemiro being the best offensive midfielder in the league and Declan was head and shoulders better than what he mm. was um, and then I, w- I would say that Paqueta started to look even better as each week goes by. I thought he had a really um, telling influence, but I'm also going to give a bit of uh, and Antonio as well Antonio mm. worked his bollocks off running the line you know, there was a couple of times where he got deliberately taken out because he was running the defenders ragged. I thought he really pulled them all over the place. So they're the three obvious ones. I'm actually going to give a shout out to two players that have been quite criticised this season, who I actually thought both had very, very good games. And that's... um, uh, Kera, I thought Kera was really good at right back. Um, you know, Martin on our podcast with him said that, um, you know, he thought he was dodging the first 15 minutes. I'm not sure. I thought he played really, really well for the game. And I think the fact that it was a clean sheet and Rashford was coming in from that side. Um, and he's been the man of the moment shows. And I thought he offered us a good ball game forward as well. So I thought Kera, and I actually thought Suchek had a good game as well. I thought he, he was very brave. You know, he won that header where he, I, I, mean, I haven't seen a replay of it, but when it was down for ages, he was getting stuck in. He was, he was bossing their midfield alongside Declan and Piqueta. And, you know, I've given him a lot of stick this season. I still maintain a lot of what I said. I still stick by. But if you're going to give it when they're poor, you're going to also give it when they do well. And I thought, I thought he played well, but it's, very hard to actually pick out a certain individuals because you could go through the whole team. You know, I thought Gwed was good. Bonner was great. Fabianski made saves when he needed to. Cresswell performed well. You know, the whole defence gets a clean sheet. You know, Bowen worked his arse off. Ben Rama played well and scored a goal. So I think, even though he shouldn't have scored a goal really, but he did, um, it, it, you can't look at anyone really and not say they're at least an 8 out of 10, I think. Well, it's so refreshing to say that, isn't it? To have that conversation because, you know, once again, it shows you what the players are capable of. And if only we were consistent, X, our domestic season could look very different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right to to, to focus on those players you mentioned. Uh, yeah, when Martin said that about Kara on the show, to be fair, I think when he said 15 to 20 minutes, he struggled. I think that's a bit heavy. I think, you know, from the start, Man United tried to put it on us and Rashford was nicking a bit of space. And yes, I think you could argue a couple of shots he got away, Kara could have closed into him a little bit more. But listen, any right back is going to have a challenging day really against Marcus Rashford because he's such a dangerous player he's so quick and he he can nick himself a yard so quickly and he's he's good on the ball and he's got a good strike of a ball but I think in next to no time Kara Kara sort of eased himself into the game and kept control of what was a very dangerous player and I think it was a really good performance and it's nice to see that from Kara because in all honesty from the day we signed him until the current day I genuinely have seen quality in him but he's been prone to too many mistakes. And I think that's been the story of his season so far. So if we can start to see him settle down a little bit now and put in that type of performance more regularly, um, that can only be a good thing. Do you know one player that just excites me so much is Lucas Paqueta, and we've got to talk about him because he, he really is coming into his own now. And we was um, interviewing our, our guest for this week on the Extra Time Show, and when he said it, 
Uh, it's exactly what I've been thinking recently, is that Paqueta reminds him, and it reminds me of Paolo Di Canio, because you know... You know, we've said it so many times that with Paolo, I think you had to be at the stadium to really and truly appreciate just how good he was because it was those intricate little moments, wasn't it? The flicks and tricks and and, and the fact that he was just so effortlessly in control of the ball um, and so progressive with the ball. And Lucas reminds me of Paolo in that respect. And he, he's just, he's such a joy to watch, isn't he? And I think, you know, when you talk about the West Ham way and how we all like to be excited with what we see and get the ball down and play it, Lucas ticks that box, doesn't he? And I, I think I think it's a really exciting time for West Ham fans to have him here. I still think he can make a massive impact on the remainder of the season, especially with the Conference League. But I think if we have this season with him as a setting in period, next season I really think he could come into his own. Uh, I love Lucas, absolutely love him. Antonio, you're right, he absolutely worked his socks off. And then Declan was just Declan, wasn't he really? Absolutely mm-hmm. world class. Um, but what a result and a massive result. Can we consider ourselves safe now? I mean, apparently we're 250 to one to get relegated after that win. Um, I never like to say we're 100% safe when we're not mathematically safe, but I, I, I can't see us getting relegated now. I mean, that's the reason the odds are as they are. And it's not like we're just sort of sitting above relegation and there's no buffer. Like, you know, we're 17th or whatever. We're sitting in 15th and there are five teams worse than us down. I mean, Southampton have gone. That's fair to say Southampton mathematically can't overtake us now. So that's one place gone. Um, and then you look at it... Uh, I mean, the result for Everton at Brighton was huge, and the result for Forest at Southampton was huge. And I think when I look at the relegation now, with Southampton, Leeds, and Leicester, I think to myself, they're the three teams that are going to be in there. I mean, they've all got, we've got to play both those teams, so it's completely within our hands anyway. Um, and. I just think when you look at the remaining fixtures, you know, Everton, for example, even though I haven't said them, they've got Man City this weekend, so they've got tough games. I can't see um, five other teams or four, if you take Southampton out of it, doing enough to finish above us, and that's assuming that we don't get anything. I actually think we might finish the season quite strongly now, and I think we might pick up some points against, you know, Brentford, Leeds, Leicester. They're all games that we could pick points up in, so I think, I think we'll be fine, yeah. Yeah, I do. I'm comfortable now. I mean, that was just such a massive win. Massive win. And I've got to be honest, I didn't expect it. But these days, I don't know what to expect from West Ham. I think they're so hard to predict. You know what Mm. I mean? If you're looking to make a few bob on West Ham, it's fucking hard work. But thank God we got that win. God, how many goals were there this weekend in the Premier League? It was mad, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely crazy, mate. I mean, you you never would have... I mean, I don't know if Lucky Walker's struck again, but you would (laughs) never have predicted um, Everton's going to win 5-1 at Brighton. No, Um, no. It's just like an unbelievable result. And then... um, you know, the, obviously the seven goals in the um, in the Forest game, and you know it was just just so many goals, and you can see that teams are just desperate to win. They're obviously attacking and then leaving leaving holes in their defence. And um, yeah, I mean it's exciting, and you know if we can get ourselves mathematically secured by the weekend, that'll be a real real boost for us because. You know, whilst I think we are staying up, you can't ever 100% risk it um, because, you know, it could be massively come back and bite you. So if we could just get some points against Brentford, go into the games against Leeds and Leicester with nothing really to play for, concentrate on that Europa League, the Europa League second leg, um, um, and then... Conference, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Sorry, conference, sorry, yeah. And then hopefully the final, then... um. 
then uh, yeah, it's, it's buzzing. And, uh, and mate, as I've always maintained, if we stay in this division, which I think we're agreed we are now, and we win the Conference League. By West Ham standards, that is a good season because ultimately mm. we've won a trophy for the first time in 43 um, years and also we've got into the Europa League, which should have been the aim if we'd finished well in the, in the league. So, yes, yeah. we haven't, yes, we haven't played well in the league, but ultimately if that's the outcome, and I know there's a lot of stubborn West Ham fans out there that won't want to admit this, having been so vocal about Moyes being out, but if we... If we do that, the amount of fans, if you'd ask the question at the start of the season, would you take West Ham, let's just say 15th, because that's where we are now. I think we could even be high, but let's say 15th, take West Ham, finishing 15th above the relegation zone with three games to go um, and win the Conference League against Europa League. Would you take it? Um, sorry, 99.9% of the fans would say yes. Um, and so, therefore, it, it classifies as a, as a decent season. And then and then in the summer, we have the, the age-old debate, which we've been talking about about for months now of whether you allow Moyes to carry on or whether you say thanks mate but we're going to go in a different direction but either way if we could get this league this conference league it would just be huge for the club and I'm so pleased that obviously that West Ham did stay up it's massive for us like now I'm sure there's people out there that are actually a little bit bitter that it was proved right that Moyes could get us out of this. But ultimately, if you're a true, true West Ham fan, you put those feelings aside and you're relieved that West Ham have got Premier League football for another season. Well, I think it's very hard to argue against what you've said. I mean, one of the reasons that I certainly would have taken it at the beginning of the season is because, you know, that there has been the age-old debate, 43 years about a trophy. The fact that we very rarely get close to an FA Cup win, very rarely get close to a League Cup win, very rarely qualify for Europe, it does beg the question, are we just treading water in this top tier every single season of our live yeah. supporting West Ham? Yeah. So if I had the option of actually for a season going from 10th to 15th, but I've seen us win a trophy for once, then of course that has to go down as a successful season. And if Moyes does keep us up and he does win that conference league, then categorically he was the right man for the job. There's no two ways about it. I've said that from the beginning of the argument, but he still has to go and win that conference league because, in my opinion, he would just be doing his job. Keeping West Ham in the Premier League isn't an achievement, in my opinion. Yeah. The, the conference league is, but again, it's it's something that he should do. But mm. credit to him. If he does do those things, he's done his job. So then yeah. it's an, it opens up a debate as, well, he's given us two great years. A third one was questionable, but that third one actually won us a trophy. Why? Why would we be releasing a manager at that point? And then you know the the you know the debate continues. So it's um it's some interesting points, and it is an ongoing debate. But going back to the game, what did you think of Benny's goal? Because oh, the Ayers had a nightmare there, any? I mean, I must have watched it about twenty times. I can't get my head around what's happened. I mean, not that we fucking care, of course, and we do a bit of luck. But what's going on in De Gea's head? I, I can't answer that. I have no idea that the, the, it was just absolute terrible keeping. Terrible. It's the only way you can put it down to. I honestly think, despite being a midget, also Martin Allen calls me at, at five for eight. Um, I am. I would uh, just to make that clear that I am actually not a midget. If people uh, don't know, um, I, can't, I can't think Martin's that much taller than you. He, he's not. This is the stupid thing about it. This is the stupid thing about it. he's taller than me. But I reckon he's only about five foot ten, five foot. 11 so he's not he's not like you know a whole foot taller than I am yeah yeah but he's got it in his head that I'm I'm a midget at five foot eight so for those 
those of you that are less than five for eight, God knows what he thinks of you. Lots. <laughs> I do, do apologise on his behalf, but um, yeah. yeah, I um, but yeah, I think I could have saved that. I honestly, honestly yeah. believe I could. Like it was, it was a pit, a, a daisy cutter. It was just going no, no speed at all. All you need to do, I, I think I could have kicked it away. Let alone yeah. saved it away, and yeah. um, and it was um, yeah, just a terrible, terrible mistake. But as you say, one that one that we're due, and one that we'll definitely take. And bearing in mind there was another shocking penalty decision um, in that game that we should have had that we didn't. Um, I think happy days. I'm glad that that something like that that happened um, you know I, I had um, as I always do I had tourist fans next to me um, at the game and I, I had them every single week because the two or three that's just about four the four season tickets directly to my left so directly next to me are always a different person every single week they have been for the seven the seven years I've been, we've been in that stadium and I had an American guy next to me this time that did and I feel so bad because I feel like I'm representing West Ham but they asked me question after question after question like why are the fans doing this what does, is this a big game for West Ham and I just and I don't want to like come across as a, a prick you know I want them to like West Ham so I always answer and it gets tedious and when when Ben Rama's goal went in he turned around to me and said whoa man that's an awesome goal what a goal what a goal like and, I, and I just and I just I just said to myself I just said to him well I think the keeper could have done better he's like no you ain't stopping that rocket and I thought, <laughs> and I thought, I thought Jesus God why do I have to do this every single week, you know? But, uh, you know, bless him, he was a nice guy from LA. I told him about our Big Mike tour, and he knew, and he knew of Big Mike. So, Did he? Yeah, so it was all, it was all good. But um, yeah, it wasn't a rocket, that's for sure. Well, one thing that you mentioned there, and it was what I was going to come to next, is the fact that it's another podcast and another infuriating conversation about a poor refereeing decision. This time, a stonewall penalty, not just in my opinion, but surely everyone's opinion. Lindelof has clearly moved his hand towards the ball to gain advantage, made contact with the ball, yet no penalty given. I mean, apart from the fact that it points towards pure corruption in the Premier League and the same old top six bias we almost see on a weekly basis now. How is that not given? Because even Martin Allen, and, and he's got the backs of these referees and, and the VAR technology and, and the Stockley Park set up. He said, I don't know. I don't know why it's not been given. I don't know. I mean, have you got any theory that points me away from just corruption? Because if that hits a West Ham hand, that's that's going to be given, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any real um, answer to it other than, like you said, either corruption or incompetency. But what I don't get with incompetency is that you've got a machine there to watch it back. You know, back in the day when it was real time, and the ref might not be as fit as they are now, and they might not get the best angle on it, you kind of could excuse them for getting it wrong every now and again. But when you've got the perfect camera angles that you can go back on, get a second, third fourth opinion from other referees and you still get it wrong I just don't understand how that can continuously happen and yes you know I think people should listen to Martin's podcast this week if they haven't already because he made some interesting points about officials and obviously we tried to bring him to task a little bit on it but it's as you said it's three games in a row now that this has happened and it always seems to be that you get that it favours the bigger teams you know it is it's, it's I, 
I, I, I'm guaranteed, I'm sure, that if it was the other way round, that would have been a penalty. I'm, just, I'm convinced of it. And if it was at Old yeah. Trafford, it would have yeah. 100% been a penalty. And and, I, and it can't, football can't work like that. It's so wrong. You know, the, it, the game is not meant to be a, a game where the big teams win all the time. It's meant to be a, a, a game where the best team on the day wins. And that's why we, we love football, that in, in theory, anyone can be anyone on, on their day. But when you've got a, a 12th man like that interfering so much and so incorrectly, I just I just can't understand how it happens and you know martin talks about the refs improving you know he he talks about howard webb overseeing it but as i said on that podcast howard webb was known to be a homer himself or or in, or in favor of manchester united they used to always say that he you know he was the one that invented fergie time for fergie you know like it's so even from that level there's a bias to, to the top six clubs i i think there just has to be almost people that you need to obviously have footballers there that have um, have an understanding of the game, but the ultimate decision almost is to come from someone that doesn't like football and also literally looks at the facts. They don't care who Man United are. They don't care who Wiccan Wanderers are. They just look at the pure facts in front of them because I always think there's an element of bias that comes into the decision-making and it, it's natural to happen. You know, like if you... If you was to ref a match, like a, a school kids match in the park, if you're what, um, you know, six kids versus six kids and you know the six kids that are on one team, um, and you, and you know that their parents are a bit more volatile, so they're likely to give you a bit of shit. If you don't give decisions their way, you're going to be influenced by it. And, and I think that's the same with professional football, sadly. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yeah, and it is sad. It's really sad because, I mean, we've debated quite a few decisions across the season that hasn't gone our way. Some of them are obvious, some of them are not so. I mean, if you take the one we had against Liverpool recently, I think it was Thiago, um, and it hit his arm twice in the box... I can kind of understand with reluctance why there's a case for it potentially not being a penalty in a sense that the distance was very close. Could he have moved his arm in any different way? So a lot of people will say, yes, he could have, and it was a stonewall. Others will say, no, my point is to some degree, there's a debate around it. But when you look at decisions like this, it is just so fucking obvious. Like what, what is your counter argument 
for there possibly being a case that that wasn't a penalty. There isn't one. It is a stonewall penalty. And it can only point towards the corruption of the Premier League because let's have it right. You know, life in general, but especially football and the Premier League, is all about money these days. And believe me, when it comes to getting sponsorships and partnerships um, and and Sky deals and, and whatever it is, these companies and these big corporations want to throw money at competitions that have big sides competing in it. I.e., for example, you know, Carabao don't want West Ham winning the Carabao Cup. They want Man United or Man City to win that cup competition. They want to be associated with a team like that, of that global stature, that will add some credibility to their brand. That's what's going to draw them in to throw the money at a competition like that. And it's the same with the Premier League. I'm convinced, absolutely convinced, that for the global sponsors of the Premier League and everyone involved from a monetary perspective, absolutely hated it the year Leicester won it. For them, I think that could have been the worst possible outcome because I think from their perspective, it devalued the Premier League that they were sponsoring or, or financially involved with that season. And I think the same holds up every single year because how else can you explain a, a decision not going our way like that? Because absolutely categorically, if that's Old Trafford and it is a like-for-like scenario and it come, comes off Nyef's hand, it's given as a penalty. Yeah. And for as long as they keep fucking being so obvious with the decisions they're not giving, the more they're going to have the fingers pointed at them. It's Mm -hmm. as simple as that. And they should be held accountable. And I would like to hear them mic'd up. And I would like them to suffer the consequences of of, of making bad decisions because we all have to in life with Mm -hmm. our respective jobs. We're held accountable if we make mistakes, but they Mm -hmm. don't. They're almost like a protected species. And for as long as they're a protected species, we will see absolute corruption like this at the highest level until changes are made. Mm. Simple as that. I've, I was in fucking, like, beyond infuriated. Thank God we won the game, by the way. Mm. I, even if we'd have drawn the game, I'd have been fuming. Not with West Ham, but the fact that once again we've been cheated out of legitimate points that we've deserved. Mm. Um, and the fact that we won it has obviously diluted me somewhat, but I, I just worry we're going to keep seeing this over and over again, and it it affects games, it affects nights, moods, you name it, and it I don't know, it's infuriating. <laughs> it affects multi-billion decisions, you know. Like yeah. I alluded to on that on Mad Dog again, like you know West Ham. I mean, we won't be, but we could have been relegated on that decision. You know, if they'd gone and scored and an equaliser, then maybe Nick one at the end because we our, our heads had gone. You know, we'd yeah. be right back in the in the mix now. And you know, David Moyes, if we got relegated, would lose his job. The billions would be lost, lo- or millions would be lost for the value of the club. We would have lost loads of our best players. You know, even you put it, scale it down to the likes of you know people making businesses from West Ham. They suffer from it because there's less supporters. Uh, that would be going to championship game as they would a Premier League game. It has such a, a huge knock-on effect. But they have to get it right. And you, you understand that there might be uh, mistakes every now and again. You understand there might be a different of opinion every now and again, which makes a decision potentially go two ways. But these should be rare. They shouldn't be happening every single week. And I think the point of miking up the the officials is key. You know, if you're if you're going to have to make a decision like that like they did in that game where it's a clear handball especially when you know you've seen very similar incidences given in other games the ref 
or the, the person at Stockley Park or whoever needs to say at that moment in time why that wasn't a penalty and they need to turn around whatever their excuse was. I don't know what the excuse was, but let's just say, I don't know, his hand, whatever that phrase is, it was his hand was in a, um, that, well, I can't remember what the phrase is now because I've lost touch of the handball rule, but let's just say whatever the, whatever the reason was, they gave it. We need to know what that reason is. You can't just do a decision that no one understands, that no one agrees with, and then just go, right, yep, that's it, I'm, I'm, I'm making that decision, and, and you, there's nothing you can do about it. That's the sort of form thing that, like, you know, to go, go a bit over the top is what dictators do. They make a decision and think their decision's right, and no one else's opinion matters, and that's the decision they're going with. How can that happen in football, where they could just make a decision because... That, that they prefer the team um, who they're making a decision for. You know, it's just it's just getting ridiculous. Now, in the year 2023, and the fact that VAR has been around, what, three or four years now, we should be able to make more consistent, better decisions than we are. Because if we're not, as you and I have argued many times before, we might as well just go back to the old days and let human error be in it, but keep the sort of excitement of scoring a goal fresh. Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, you know, and again, to support my conspiracy, which let's have it right at this point, that's what it is. Um, Liverpool have been in the wilderness this season, but suddenly they're fifth. And w- one of the contributing factors to that is the penalty that got awarded in their favour against Fulham at Anfield. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the penalty. He's not mm. even touched him. Really? And I've, I've just I've just Googled it, actually. I've just Googled it. And um, the first headline that comes up is Fulham star claims ref Stuart Atwell admitted Liverpool shouldn't have been awarded the penalty. So why the fucking hell were they then? (laughs) Now, now, again, going back to the corporate sponsors and partnerships and the multi-billion corporations that want to throw money at this division, now it looks a bit more attractive when it comes to the renewal because the standings now show Liverpool in fifth rather than tenth. And no doubt... Certain decisions like that that can give them a bit of a nudge along their way is going to be attractive oh, to massive, the eh? monetary gods of this world when it comes to football. And this is why I really think this got legs, this conspiracy theory, you know. Well, I really do. Look at Brighton. Brighton are a really unfashionable side for the sponsors. You know, they're a small team. They've never won anything. Capacity crowds of, what, 30,000 max, I'm guessing. Um, they On the south coast, they're not a particularly big city. But, you know, so that doesn't have that draw um, and they were challenging to be in the top four you know they were they were ahead of Spurs they were ahead of Liverpool at times and they were looking like they were going to be the ones that would at least get fifth place they played that game against Spurs what, a month or so ago now there was about four or five decisions in that game that should have gone in their favour but yeah. when Spurs' favour and Spurs ended up I think from memory winning that game when they really really shouldn't have and then you look at Liverpool all of a sudden like you said they've come from like round about where Chelsea were in the league to now being serious contenders for a Champions League spot and it, and it really really wouldn't surprise me obviously Newcastle are a, a much bigger club now than they were but it wouldn't surprise me if by coincidence Manchester United and Liverpool replace them so your top four end up being Man City Arsenal Man United Liverpool with Newcastle maybe um, out of that because if you put them all in a ranking order Newcastle at the moment would be the least um, big and least glamorous out of those teams and it really wouldn't surprise me And, and you know this is why I just it does make football sometimes hard to enjoy. You know, Brentford and Brighton threaten to challenge those 
um, big clubs this year, and you know it looks like they're going to sort of fall away um, and not and not not maybe do it now. And that's because I, I can't help a lot but think, but along the line, there have been decisions. Look at when West Ham went. We're going for Champions League. The amount of decisions that we had go against us was unreal. Mm, mm, I know. It's just stupid, and I don't I don't know what what can happen because if you're you know it frustrates us as fans but imagine you know imagine being David Moyes and like you say thankfully we won the game against Man United so in the grand scheme of things it didn't matter but those that one against Liverpool that one against Palace if that one hadn't have happened that had, you know cost us a game against Manchester United he could have lost his job on that and and it's he lost his job on other people's incompetence you know yes you could argue we shouldn't be in that situation in the first place but we were and he would he, he could have been the first manager to relegate us since Avran Grant based upon a decision that isn't his doing and, and this is why you know Howard Webb and all these other people that are in to improve it need to really start improving it very quickly I mean it, it might even be a case of you know you look at bringing in foreign refs to ref different leagues so almost like you can't be an English ref in England you can train in England and do the lower leagues maybe but if you're going to be a top flight referee you can't you, you go to another country I don't I've not really thought this through I don't really know how practical it is and obviously language barriers would be an issue and stuff but you want to take away the element of bias that I think creeps into these decisions. Of course, the foreign refs would get influenced by the size of the stadium and stuff, but you'd like to think, you know, they would be as influenced by the, the you know, be, you know, clubs that they're supporting as a kid or whatever, um, as our refs are. Because if, you know, I read a statistic somewhere, something like 18 out of the 20 refs, and I need to check this out, all live up north. They're all sort of from, from like Midlands upwards. So, you know, just being out in their local community, even if they don't support the club, you know, if you're, if you live, you know, you could be a, I don't know, a Plymouth Isle Gold fan living in Manchester. But if you're walking around in Manchester and you've just given a really dodgy decision to uh, an opponent against Manchester United or Manchester City, you're going to think, oh, it's probably be easier if I just give it to Man City because these are the people I'm, like live with and it's just I don't know it's just it's got to be something it's got to stop and we talk about this every week so don't yeah. be too repetitive but it is becoming repetitive in the football game itself it is it is yeah so frustrating so frustrating well let's just touch on the Man City game because given the circumstances could we have expected any more from the Etihad <laughs> Um, no, I, I don't know. This is a difficult question. I think I, it, we got what I expected. You know, both I think you and I predicted three nil losses, and that's what yeah. what happened. I think we were better in the first half than I thought we would be, and obviously we kept um, we kept a clean sheet, and we were sort of although they had more of the pressure. I think we were actually like matching them, but then obviously they're playing for the league, and their quality came through. You know, they're they're undoubtedly on their day the best team in the world. You know, just got a result a draw away at Madrid, you know, so you can see the sort of calibre they are. And and I think, to be fair, you know, I, I thought it would be 3-0 at the start of the day. It was 3-0. I kind of saw that game as take it and then move on and not too much damage limitation. And there wasn't actually played better than I thought we would first half. So I just think we move on and we forget about that game. Of course, if we were in a relegation battle and we were pushing for, you know, Champions League or... Europa League spot I'd be disappointed but when you're in a relegation fight and you're on in the Conference League you do need to almost like put it into perspective and I think 
It is what it is, and the Man United game, winning that game, showed that whatever happened in the Manchester City game was probably worth, was beneficial because we then went and won a more winnable game afterwards. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with that, mate. Well, what better way to celebrate that fantastic win against Man United than for X to finger some lucky patrons? What do you reckon? You up for it? Oh, mate, I'm always up for this. You know that. You know, when you get to my age, it doesn't come around very often. So I'm really grateful for any opportunity I get, really. <laughs> so what are the prizes other than well, being fingered by yourself? That's the main prize. And why would anyone want anything else? No, very true, mate. Very true. I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm sure they won't even hear the prizes that you're going to be talking about now because they're still thinking about the fingering. But, you know, in a physical form, these prizes do exist. So, you know, for the benefit of the show, if you could just tell us what those prizes are. Yeah, so the first one, um, if it's still um, available, I need to just check it is, but it's going to be a signed Suchek shirt. Um, the second one is going to be a £50 voucher from the club shop. Um, and then the third one is our sort of standard third place prize, which is a, a copy by email of the Ginge event we did shortly after he'd retired. So we're talking quite a few years ago now. Um, uh, um, O'Neill's in Leytonstone and you get a copy of that to watch through. Eggs? Yes. Eggs, eggs. Can I ask you something? <laughs> yeah, 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 mister. You spend all your life telling me how rubbish I am and, and you try and, and discredit her from the hammer of the year. You say I shouldn't play in the game and you say you don't know why David Moses picks me and I'm a passenger. Now, now we have a, a win and now in flavor of the month again, you want to send a sign? I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll draw a picture of your face on that shirt so that the winning Patreon can buy their asses with it. I think you've lost him. Are you still there? He's hung up. Mate, you are not on his Christmas card list. Mate, I haven't been for a while, have I? I mean, he's been abusing me those most shows nowadays. But, uh, but uh, to, to, to answer him back, because like, I know he listens to the show regularly, because he, he seems to seems to hear everything I say. Just a, just a few points on that, Thomas. Firstly, I haven't been abusing you all my life, because I only knew of you about three or four years ago. So let's just, uh, let's just make that clear. It's not, not been a, a, an intense bullying camp since you're a kid, you know, since, just uh, recent years, and I stuck up for you earlier. I said you're one of the better players, and I need to give you credit for it. And if you continue playing like that, Thomas, we could be friends again, and I will take you out for as much potato salad as you like, and I will never say a bad word about you again. But you can't just have one performance and expect me to change. Well, actually, one's a bit harsh. You've been good for about the last three or four, um, and completely changed my mind. The shirt is there to help spread love for you. So just let me do what I know what, where, what I'm doing. Let me send the shirt out. Let it be a nice token gesture for someone to get alongside me, fingering them. Play well on Thursday. And let's just see if we can be friends for the summer. Well, I've I've tried to get him back, but he's not picking up, mate. So, um, you know, hopefully he's heard those, those words from you, X. I think that'll go a long way. But it is fair to say at the moment... The relationship between the two of you does seem strained. So we'll work on that behind the scenes and see if we can put that right. Um, <laughs> but uh, until then, um, are we ready for our first patron? And are we are we going first prize first or third prize up? Um, I don't mind, mate. Whatever you want to do, you, you make the call. 
All right, let's let's start with the um the Ginge event. So this okay. is uh, an electronic version of the Ginge event that will be emailed to the Patreon. It's not out there in the public, and uh, the winner, please keep it that way, because for different reasons, it can't really go in the public domain just yet. Uh, but it is good. It's a lot of fun. It was a lively night, and uh, Ginge was on form as well. So, um, yeah, whoever X calls out next is going to receive a copy of that via email. So whenever you're ready, X, let me know, and I will tell you when to stop. Okay, would you like me to go up or down to start with? Uh, can you sort of go a bit random, a bit sporadic, sort of, you know, and almost like a circular motion, then up and down, then sort of, I don't know, really, just be a bit creative with it, use your imagination. Okay, I'll do that with one finger, then I'll flick it with the other one. <laughs> like <laughs> car- caressingly flick. <laughs> okay, are you are you uh, flicking now as we speak? Uh, yeah, I'm flicking. I'm going upwards now, downwards, round and round and round and round to the side, up a bit, up a bit, up a bit, up a bit, down, 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 up. Tell me when you want to stop, baby. You know, this sounds like the worst char-char slide I've ever heard. <laughs> um, okay, ready? Yeah. Stop. Okay. Oh. This event has been won by... That's annoying. That's a hard surname to say. Um, it is won. This shows that this is not fixed because there's no way I'd pick surnames I can't read. Oh, no, that's very <laughs> true. This one is won by Louis Ruska. I think Ruska. R-U-S-G-A. Ruska. I'm going to go with... S-G-A. Louis Ruska. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Well done, Louis. You've got yourself that event. You'll enjoy that, mate. Um, brilliant. So let's go to the £50 club voucher. Okay. Let's do a few flicks up and down again. So these are a bit more slower, these ones. Right, right. Okay. Because I feel like I don't want to get too carried away too early on. And then you're being fair in terms of um, where you're spreading those fingers, in terms of the, the alphabetic order. I'm oh, asking yeah. on behalf of the patrons because uh, the question does get asked. Yeah, yeah, of course, man. Well, we always start with, well, it starts at either A or Z. It depends on what direction I go. And then yeah. I just sort of flick, like, a certain amount upwards or a certain amount downwards, a certain amount of speed, a certain amount of, um, you know, caress, uh, caressing. So it's, it's, all, it's all random. Okay, right, here we go. Velocity is important. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure anyone's ever requested the velocity behind a good fingering, I'll be honest. But, uh, listen, there's something for everyone. I'm, I'm not here to judge. Uh, have you ever tried it? <laughs> Maybe I should. Exactly. Well, we're so going to Amsterdam next week, so... Uh, well, there you go. This is the perfect moment to bring some velocity. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Before this gets even more depraved. Um, okay, here we go. Stop. Okay. So the winner of a £50 club shop voucher, and I'll need you to message us on Patreon so I can get your address to send it out to. Uh, the winner is John O.B. So John O.B. Yeah, it sounds like a Star Wars character, but it's not. It's John O, J-O-N-O space B. John O.B. O-B. John O.B. Kenobi. Yeah, right, okay. Obi-Wan Kenobi, John O.B., yeah. Okay, perfect. Right, well done, Jono. Uh, as X said, get in touch, mate, and if we don't hear from you, we'll, we'll try and reach out to you ourselves, but that voucher is yours. So, um, yeah, drop us a message, mate. Okay, the big one, here we go! <laughs> <laughs> I think you should encourage me and see, check as I'm doing it. <laughs> well, you want me to 
take the role of Thomas. Um, oh, I think yeah, I think you need to, I think you need to say up, up, down, down as Thomas. Okay, okay all right. Uh, act. <laughs> are, you, are you ready with your fingers? I am. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> up and down. Up and down to the side. Le- ready to need a bit along the middle. Make sure you cover the letter stages of the alphabet. And back up to the top. Uh, down. Next <laughs> if, if, if anyone is listening to this car in traffic, stuck in traffic lights, listen to this podcast in their car, they're, they're going to the get first ever time. They're going to get some strange looks. I think if they got their, got, got their windows down and stuff, <laughs> it's like it's like so. You know on Twitter where you have that thing where like they say, oh, "I can't believe they said that," and then you click on it to hear what it is, and it's that sex noise every time. It's like. <laughs> It's like a strange version of that. Um, oh, so, yeah. oh, it's actually someone we know, someone that we've met before. That's a nice shirt. Yeah, exactly. Nice for sure. We've only met them once, so it's not like we're close buddies, but a, a top man nonetheless. Sure. And this, this winner is Marda. Oh, Marder, yes, we met Marder. Where did we meet Marder? A Newcastle away, I think. Was it from He's a great yeah. lad, Marder. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, brilliant. He'll be chuffed with that. Yeah, that's good. Oh, good stuff. That's really good. Right, X has fingered three geezers there. So congratulations, (laughs) lads. I hope you enjoy the prizes. (laughs) My dad Um, listens to this show. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't got time to finger him. Um, Can't comment on that. (laughs) But that's crossed the line somewhere. (laughs) We've only just crossed the line. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) So now we have the small matter of a European Cup semi-final tomorrow night. How do you feel about it? I think we'll win. Um, I think we'll win 2-0. Uh, I think we need to try and get as many goals as possible because I think, obviously, their fans are going to be really up for it out there. Um, and I think if we could just really go into this game, 2-0, 3-0 lead would be beautiful because whilst we're, whilst West Ham have the, possibility, the ability to fuck most things up, I mean, if we had a 2-3-0 <laughs> a, a or or lead going into the away leg, it is, you would like to think that would be comfortable enough for us to do the the business out in, out in Holland, and then and then it will just make the whole atmosphere going into that game better if we have that cushion we just got to tomorrow. All fans, and I know I don't need to say the obvious, and I'm sure it will happen anyway. But we need to just create an absolute mm. buzzing atmosphere, like what we witnessed against Seville and Leon yep. and so on. Just create that atmosphere again tomorrow. Let's go out there. This is the biggest game alongside the semi final last year, the and the cup run in 2006. And sorry, I'm ruining it by saying how I mean, many other examples. Let's just cut to the chase. This is. Of the biggest games we've ever played in most of our sport uh, most of our years of supporting West Ham it's a European trophy I don't care what people say about the Conference League it's a semi-final it's our last chance to play in this tournament in, in a home game so let's just make it count let's just go out there from the go brilliant atmosphere and let's just get the boys home and let's take a nice healthy 
lead into the away leg and um, and then we can enjoy Amsterdam and then have Prague on the horizons and it's happy, happy, happy days and I think if we win that conference league there's going to be a lot of people they're going to look back and think mm, there's a bit of misspent negativity this season um, and I'm just going to hopefully they'll accept that and they'll just enjoy, enjoy the moment for what it is and West Ham be a European conference winner in the Europa League next season, happy days it's a big game, a massive game let's do it, let's go for it well, it's a massive game and hopefully this won't be the case, but if it goes tits up, it could be the last European game we see at the London Stadium for a long time. Yeah. So it's important to make it a cauldron, like you're saying, make it the 12th man. And um, I don't know, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm really excited, but I'm nervous. And I think it's because I'm still a bit scarred from the two legs against Frankfurt. Yeah. But I'm hoping the players are too. I think it's important for the players to still carry that bitterness and that disappointment because I think that will create some hatred in their belly and some fire and, and, and they'll really get their teeth into this. This is what should be happening. This is what I hope does happen um, because going out of a, a final a semi-final stage after all the hard work had been done last season, the players must have been absolutely devastated. Of course, as fans, we were. So if we can make a statement tomorrow get the job done in the second leg and then go to Prague and win that competition and have another European campaign next season. It all starts with tomorrow. We can't lose it. We can't draw it. We have to win it. We have to win that game tomorrow. Oh, 100%, mate. We definitely need to win it. And just while we're on the the, the notion of big games, there's also a big game tonight. Um, yes. Uh, with the uh, under-18s going to Manchester City, if they win their game today, they are the Youth League winners because obviously there's a northern section and a, a southern section of which we won the southern section. Manchester City won the northern section. If we beat Manchester City today, um, then uh, we will be in the equivalent of the Champions League in Europe and we could see, you know... Depending on how the draws go, the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona, Ajax, famous academies like that coming to play our lads um, over here and us being able to go over there as well. So that's a big game as well. So good luck. I know a lot of the dads um, are traveling up, but um, a lot of the dads are patrons. Um, Patrons may not know this, but we've got about five or six dads um, of players. They all support West Ham. So, and um, they're patrons of the show as well. I know that 100% they are because I've met them all um, so they're probably listening to this on the way up or down from the game so shout out to you guys um, for that as well without a, a parent support these these people these kids wouldn't be where they are now so shout out to you guys shout out to your lads and let's hope they start what could be two amazing days for the club yeah well said mate well said and um, I mean the boys are just boys to be proud of they've already achieved so much and no one can ever take that away from them and it was great to see them paraded on the pitch before the Man United game as well it just made for a, a fantastic night in total and um, I mean if they can if they can do it tonight and West Ham can do it in Europe you know we're putting our stamp on European competitions at senior and youth level and you know what is quite important to West Ham I think it's actually quite a priority as a football club is to raise global awareness of West Ham as a brand what better way to to do it than to consistently compete in the European competition. And if we can do yeah. it at senior and youth level, it can't be bad, can it? So, well, no. as you know, in that youth team as well, something I don't think has been particularly highlighted that much as well, but there's three of those, I think it's three of the under-18s in that starting eleven that are first-year scholars, so they're, they're playing up 
up above the year groups they are yeah. and they are yeah. they are Ollie Skulls who obviously played left back in Europe and was was brilliant in that game Ryan Bartram his dad is um is one of the uh, pa- uh, patrons uh, right back I thought he was crucial um in the Arsenal victory I thought he kept the um Arsenal winger who looked like their best player quiet and I thought um he's playing up a year group and then Lewis Orphans whose dad's also a top fella um, as is Ryan Bartram's dad um uh, top um, fella uh, Mark Orford met him a number of times really really nice guy and he um um, he's playing up a year above and he's scored uh, consistently loads of assists, played a very all-round game in midfield and has represented England this year and there. They're playing up year groups. You know, the other players are doing brilliantly. George Erfey, um, Casey, the defender. I can't go through all of them. They've all done brilliantly. But these three are playing up a year group. So it's important to acknowledge that not only are those players doing so well, but we've got three or four in that squad that are actually playing up. So they've got they've got even more years to get better. So it's a really, really promising time for these lads. And um, yeah, happy days ahead. Yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting for them and it's exciting for us as fans to see their development. But also going into that game tomorrow, um, it's just so exciting. Do you know what the Dutch call Aze Alkmaar? No, I don't, mate. Go on. Aze Alkmaar. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, let's find out some more about our semi-final opponents. <laughs> Alkmaar is located in the province of North Holland and the football team were formed in 1967. The Netherlands has been known for its cheese over the years and the people of Alkmaar are commonly known as cheeseheads, so much so that the football club actually adopted it as a nickname. AZ has won the Arriva twice in 1981 and 2009. In the same season as their first league title, they also reached the UEFA Cup final which they lost to Ipswich Town. In addition, the team has won the KMVB Cup on four occasions and won Johan Cruyff Shield. AZ play their football at the AFAS Stadium, which has a capacity of just under 20,000. In 2019, the roof of the stadium partially collapsed, but thankfully no one was hurt. Some famous faces in the game have managed AZ in the past to include Louis van Gaal, Ronald Koeman, Dick Avocat and Marco van Basten. Keys Kist is a legend in Alkmaar, and no one has come close to his 213 goals in 372 games. As you know, myself and X are taking the West Ham Way pre-match events to Australia in July, and this trip to Perth is proudly supported by Perth website marketing company, urisco.com.au. That's urisco, E-U-R-I-S-K-O.com.au. Urisco has been building a marketing website since 2014, and they're ready to help you too. Whether you're looking for a new website or want to generate more leads for your current one, urisco.com.au has the expertise and experience to help you kick goals online. Contact Mike today at grow at urisco.com.au or visit the website urisco.com.au to find out more. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. 
Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.